I'm usually pretty low maintenance, so you know I've got. That's what I love to hear. I got the tea here, you know. I got <laughs> I have water as a sidekick, you know. What more could I need? Because you, know? you know, usually when I'm in the presence of a rapper, they then want to put on their rapper shades. Rapper and shades, then, and then be a diva. You know, the personality. They put the shades on, and then oh, all yeah. of a sudden they're just like, hmm, "Where's my green M and M's?" And I'm brought, like, "What?" <laughs> you're like, "Uh, I wasn't in the uh, correspondence earlier, but whatever." Right, exactly. I didn't get that email. All I didn't right. get that memo. So I'm glad that you're low maintenance, but we can go ahead and get started. Welcome to Tea with Tammy, episode 74. I'm titling this Keeping It Real with my co-host and creative guest, Dylan, a.k.a. Darks, an experienced rapper, I like to call him. And he Ooh. is here to share his experience of being a white rapper and join in on the tea talk How are you, Dylan? I am phenomenal, Tammy. I definitely appreciate the slight ego boost of experienced <laughs> rapper. Yes. Usually don't call myself that. Usually just call myself a rapper. There's far more experienced people than I, but you know. Well, I've known you for many years and you've been very consistent with Mm -hmm. your craft. You're someone who hasn't really, I don't think you've fallen off. I think you've just been at it. You know, Mm -hmm. you're always doing a show somewhere. I'm always seeing a clip of you doing something. Yeah. So I appreciate that. I like that. You got, I mean, it's part of just being active, just letting people know like, Hey, I might not have a new project to release necessarily, but I'm either working or I'm out and about. Or I'm mm-hmm. with the people, just shaking hands, kissing babies, you know, just that is doing you. all that. You're, you might make a good politician because you are great at networking and I, you always show face. I think showing <laughs> face is important, you know, like I, I think it's very undervalued just the um, the significance of just showing somebody that, hey, you could be anywhere else, you could be doing anything else with your time, but you decided to be here and Listen, either... that means a lot because if you see me out... That means something was going down. That's major. <laughs> like if I saw you at one of my shows, I'd just be like, okay, I gotta, stop I gotta make it, sure this is it. a good show and no, do pull out it. all the stops and yeah. <laughs> no, stop it! Don't don't treat me like that. I'm usually just in the corner minding my own business. But let's go to how we met. Okay, okay. so met you in college. You went to Texas State University. That's mm-hmm. where I saw you doing your rap thing. Mm-hmm. We were both in an organization called Hip Hop Congress. Shouts out to HSC. And oh, yeah. um. I don't know if you remember this, mm-hmm. but within Hip Hop Congress, we had a White Elephant or a Secret Santa, one of, one of the two. I don't know which game it was. And you got me. And you gifted me. I don't know if you remember. I totally remember this. Oh, you oh. remember? What was it? Do you remember? I feel... I remember the instance. I know exactly what you're talking about. I feel like because I remember you were displaying... I mean, I can show you. You were showing your writing and yes. you still, oh my God, you still have it. I do. I have oh, this wow. really nice purple composition notebook that I wrote my first mixtape in called oh. Shots Fired in 2014. Oh my gosh. And in the notebook, I don't know if you remember this part, you you handcrafted a letter to me. And if oh you my, don't mind, oh my I would like to read it <laughs> before we start. <laughs> is this, oh, is wow. this weird? I'm <laughs> A little bit, but I, I love this because, you know, like, it's been so long and Hip Hop Congress was so much fun. I just love the whole experience. So let her rip. Why not? I have no idea what I wrote now. If you don't but... mind, if you have some time, I would like to just read this lovely letter that you wrote to me in December of 2013. Wow. To Tammy J, the hip hop expert. 
It's been an all-around blast having you as my president for the past year and a half. I've been a part of Hip Hop Congress. In a world full of fakery and superficiality, a sense of genuine realness and truth like yours is a blessing to be around. You've always kept it 100 with me, whether it's in regards to the music I've made or to the perspectives I've shared on the many things discussed during those meetings. You're a fantastic leader through and through, regardless as anyone tries to tell you otherwise. There was something you posted earlier this week about how you felt like a hip hop mom. And honestly, that's a large part of why I appreciate you so much. You look out for the artists and the people around you, provide advice and direction when needed, and show a great love and care for the craft of hip hop. So before I end up getting long winded, <laughs> I just thank you for being you and doing all the things you do. Sincerely, Dylan Darks Harkins. Oh my gosh. Thank uh, you for that. <laughs> thank you. You are and super welcome. It's <laughs> Look, when I woke up this morning, I was like, oh, Dylan got me a letter. Where is that letter? <laughs> I went in my closet, took oh, out all wow. my stuff from college, and found this letter oh. so I can read it. And I remembered it. I, I remember you calling me a hip-hop mom and an expert because that meant a lot to me at the time. Yeah. I was just like in my senior year of college, and I was just, just feeling burnt out. Oh, yeah. And you were there to lift me up. And so that's one of probably the best Christmas gifts I've ever received. So I, thank you. I'm honored. That is so awesome. I... Cannot believe you've held on to that stuff for that long. That's like, you can't put a, you can't put a price tag on something like that. It's just you know shit like that is just, ah, uh, I don't know. I must have been in a mood where I was just like, I want to, I want to show Tammy like you know do a little something something nice for mm-hmm. her and all that and just you know. And you were so humble. You're like, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't get you much. And I was like, what? You just wrote me the best letter in history. I mean, you know, I I think taking the time out of your day to like sit down and put some thought behind just something as simple as a letter, you know, that mm-hmm. I think that speaks more volumes than like trying to buy people jewelry or like flowers or candy or, you know, just some other something form. that's probably not around today. Yeah, exactly. Flowers will candy goes stale. Paper usually doesn't go bad after a while. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so thank you once again. Um, but before we jump into all the great topics that I have lined up for us, let's get into the tea of the week, which is called energy tea. Because when I think of you, I think energy. You definitely give that on stage. You give that in person. You give that in conversation. And that's something that I value. And so I wanted to title this energy tea. Now, what you're tasting now, Dylan. Mm-hmm. Now, wait. Pause. Side mm-hmm. note. Okay. Should I be calling you Dylan or Darks? You call me whatever you want. Darks I... is your stage name for a rapper name, right? Yes. Where'd you get that? I'm sorry. Dylan Harkins. Um, I just smashed Dylan and Harkins together. I considered going with D-A-R-K-S to mm. kind of keep it very simple. But I don't know. I just I wrote down. I was maybe like fifteen or sixteen. It's always and, and, around that time. Yeah, and I, I just wrote down D A R X X, and I was just like, "That's it." That's I don't. It. I don't know why. Like darks. Yeah, and it's been my stage name ever since. People have asked me, "You ever thought about changing it? You thought of switching Say it up?" Say less. Just... It's darks from the rest of this for the rest of this conversation. That works so for me. darks it is. Okay. So it. what you're tasting is peach sprite with peach herbal tea. And a splash of apple whiskey. I thought there was some whiskey in here. Mm. I'm, a, I'm a big Am whiskey get, guy. Oh, so. you are? Okay. I was hoping. I was like, mm. I hope that's okay. I hope I'm not oh, getting you in trouble. A, hope you're not a, in AA or anything. Not quite. Okay, not, not yet. <laughs> I'm still young enough to where if I drink in excess, I'll just chalk it up to youthful exuberance <laughs> and uh, 
Vigor? I don't know. <laughs> right? So what did you think of the tea? What is? What are your thoughts? Lay it's, it on me. Be honest. It's smooth, but I can mm. see where the energy comes from. It's not overwhelming. It's mm. very... Uh, a- after driving in traffic for about an hour and a half, it's mm. exactly what I need to be zip you know zippity doo and all that to actually do a podcast properly and you know it was a nice fuel to your fire absolutely so, thank you thank you for that you hear that folks um i do have the best tea in town so come see me that's true <laughs> i haven't had better tea and i don't have a watch but i'm checking my wrist uh ever as far as i know so oh, let's okay. go with that <laughs> heard, it here, heard it here first people now let's get into the great topics that i have for us now the first one being an obvious topic yeah. Now you're in front of me, and you're a rapper, mm-hmm. and you're a white rapper, mm-hmm. and you are a Caucasian as it gets. I'm pretty um, white. You're, uh, you're pretty pink today. I am. I've been <laughs> in the sun a lot lately. You know, I've been around a bunch of buddies that are like, um, you know, like Latino or black, and I just always kind of make the joke. I'm like, you guys are probably just getting a little more tan. I'm gonna be out here, and I might mm-hmm. not be seen for two or three days because I'm <laughs> nursing a sunburn. Oh that, no! You know, I put SPF 100 on the other day and mm-hmm. went out disc golfing. I don't know if you've ever. I've seen it. I witnessed it. I was very against the idea because I'm naturally lazy and unopened to new ideas. But <laughs> naturally it, lazy. I like you that. Know, it's, uh, it's better than just saying I learned it somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just had a buddy convince me, let's go out and have some fun. And I was out there for all of like six, seven hours just getting down. It was a hoot. Came back and I was like, wow, I cannot move my arms. I'm a lobster. Yep, pretty much. So <laughs> a... I do not envy that experience. But sometimes I do envy your privilege, but we'll get into that. True. Now, you being a white rapper, I just wanted to kind of get your opinion and gist of how you feel when Post Malone, when Post Malone said, I think it was about a year ago, mm-hmm. he did a, an interview and he said that it's a struggle to be a white rapper i mean it it's <laughs> struggles a loaded word i think it's don't uh, let me set you up okay yeah <laughs> it's okay to think about this if you need to a little ruminating why not <laughs> um you know it's i think it's a struggle in as much you know like i just feel like anytime i'm doing hip-hop stuff i just feel happy to be involved i like being you know, I like being acknowledged if I work hard on something and it's like I put a lot of genuine effort and thought into it. Then, mm-hmm. yeah, like, you know, it feels good to have people say, hey, I, I fuck with that. That's really cool. Like, I appreciate that from a creative standpoint, whatever, you know, compliment they want to give. But mm-hmm. um, no, being I would say being a white rapper is only as hard as just being a white rapper is, which is very close to being what, what just being white, which I would say being white not that hard uh historically especially in america if i'm white i can generally uh if i don't feel like being rapper guy i can turn that shit off and just go walk outside and mm. no one uh, i'd probably say 11 out of 10 people probably ain't gonna pick me out of a lineup if they've mm-hmm. never met me and say i'm a rapper right. which is also associated with particular connotations mm-hmm. and uh preconceived notions you know, most wow. people. Wow. So you're very woke on the topic of being a white rapper and just the privilege that comes uh, with it. Because there are some who would say that there is a struggle in being white, a white rapper and that there is, and I, I hate to say this, just, <laughs> you know, because it's uh, what other people say. Yeah. Reverse racism. Mm. And so that's what Post Malone was speaking to. He has since apologized for the comments. He kind of retracted them, but yeah. I kind of wanted to get a, your your opinion on that. So you kind of, you know, you 
you agree with his apology and where he was wrong. Probably, yeah. Probably, you know, if you feel the need to apologize for it later, it probably wasn't a smart thing to say by, you know. Exactly. By just even the thought. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, I think. um, And usually when you receive lots of backlash from the culture that you're operating in, mm -hmm. that's another sign that maybe you're wrong. (laughs) Yeah. I I see a lot of uh, white rappers these days, they deal with like backlash or some sort of just critique and they handle it very uh, ungracefully, I guess Mm. would be the way I put it. Um, Iggy. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. It was a few years ago. There were some other rappers in the game, um, Q-Tip being one. Oh, I do remember this. I was actually at the gym watching this whole thing go down, and I was just mm-hmm. like, this is ungodly embarrassing as somebody exactly. that is white and raps. It was Ugh. a teaching moment, and instead she got just, a little too lost in her pride and didn't uh, really acknowledge how she's a guest in the culture. Yeah. it's uh, It was it, an awkward moment. Look, definitely a little cringeworthy, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not the best look whenever you see a white rapper of her stature, or I guess what was her prior? I don't know if she's as popular these days, but yeah, just no. show her whole ass on the internet and the, you know, metaphorical sense. You know, she, <laughs> I she, mean, she does that. She anyway. does that too, but you know, like <laughs> you, you just be out here talking wild reckless. Like mm-hmm. you can't be surprised when someone checks you on it. Like, right? I think, I think that's a very common thing I see amongst, um, you know, just white rappers. I see a lot of people that are just not being open to being checked and just mm. acknowledging that they might have been wrong. Like, because it's very, I think it's like almost a societal thing at this point. You know, everybody wants to feel correct. Everybody mm. wants to feel like my opinion's the right opinion. And if you disagree, it's not because I'm wrong. It's because you're People just, are f- afraid of being embarrassed. They are. It's ve- it's not fun being embarrassed. Mm-hmm. You know, as somebody that's lost multiple rap battles in, in front of <laughs> countless people, it's not a lot of I fun. Might've, I might have been at a few you, of those. You very well probably were. <laughs> and I probably looked uh, as bad as a comfortable as somebody would in an embarrassing situation like that but but it can get a little cringeworthy on the other end of it too and i'll, I'll kind of explain how it can be cringeworthy when you're witnessing like a white person rejecting it but it's all a little cringeworthy i'll take some ownership when a black person gets a little too upset at the success of white rappers and i say this because i remember Nicki minaj last year mm-hmm. she took a screenshot of the top 10 billboard and she said in caption, wow, it must be must be great to be a rap a white rapper in America today, huh? Because more than half of the top ten was white. It was G Easy, it was Macklemore, um, probably Bad Baby at the time, and some other white people. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little cringeworthy, but I kinda wanted to get your opinion or just a comment on what do you think when you see Billboard All White and it's rap still? It makes me feel Not really, like, I don't feel like guilty is the correct word to use in this instance. I think it's more so just acknowledging that for every white person on that list, they're taking the spot of a black person that potentially worked twice as hard as they did, Mm -hmm. did twice as much networking, shook twice as many hands, Mm -hmm. dedicated twice as many hours to writing, sitting at a table, Mm -hmm. writing a bunch of shit they hate, crumpling it up, trying again. And Mm -hmm. I think about that often to be quite honest as somebody that does like rap and is white there's a lot of juxtaposition inherent in doing something of this sort and Mm -hmm. you know i try not to think about it too much because it's easy it's definitely something you can get lost in if you 
um, overwrought yourself trying to think of that sense. But I think it's more Mm -hmm. so just things to be mindful of uh, simultaneously. You know, it's like, do I think about whenever I'm on stage, you know, like doing a show, do I think in that moment I'm taking someone else's place Mm -hmm. that is black or is some other ethnicity that's just not white? Mm -hmm. I mean, I try not to. I think that would interrupt the show I'm trying to put on, like no disrespect intended. But I think it's also important that if like um, thoughts of these sorts are brought to my attention, Mm -hmm. it's not something you just just whisk away and you're just like, ah, I ain't got time to talk about that. I'm fucking da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to respect the uh, aggression and sometimes antagonism that people have for white rappers. It's definitely like, think about it. White rappers, uh, more so than not, don't exactly do much to bolster and enhance the culture. And mm. I think that's, I think that is something that white rappers as a whole, at least just my take. I'm just a goofy white dude that likes to rap so i should not be taken as an but authority I'm glad but you mentioned that when it comes to contributions yeah. to the culture because there i have nothing wrong with a white rapper obviously you know i've supported you and all of your artistic ventures mm-hmm. but it's it's when you don't acknowledge the culture or you don't contribute that's when i have an issue where mm-hmm. you're just taking up space for your selfish reasons and you're you're stepping over that that potentially person of color just so you can get the bag you know what i mean like you're not doing it for the right reasons i know exactly what you mean i've seen i i don't want to say i know any like personally because most of the white rappers that i know personally are you know they kind of operate on the same wavelength i do they're generally pretty respectful they understand like the contributions that are important if you're going to be participating in something of this sort Mm -hmm. um but you know it's it's important to acknowledge that just because, you know, I see a lot of people that get into rap and they almost view it as like a vehicle of sorts. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just like, I'm going to do rapping so I can look cool mm-hmm. and do X, Y, or Z. I it's wanna... an accessory. Yeah, it's literally, it's almost fashion of sorts. It's and appropriation. It's, that is very, mm. it's a white woman at Coachella <laughs> wearing a Native American headdress. It's, oh. uh, you know, it's things yeah. of that nature. It's, and it's not just like a, I don't want to just like dog on like only white people. I mean, cultural appropriation is cultural appropriation across the the board, you know, but it's just, you know, I think white people definitely uh, will probably be caught in the crosshairs of that since Mm -hmm. a lot of them. And I don't also don't think um, I don't think a lot of white people, you know, consciously appropriate culture. I think a lot of it, it's like, you know, it's like almost like pop culture that they feel they're appropriating. You know, it's like when you, you know, you're swiping through Tinder or some shit and you see a white person and they say, my spirit animal is, I don't know, fucking, Mm. you know, um, whatever person people say, like celebrity, like a lion or, you know, (laughs) Selena Gomez or, you know, uh, I don't know, just that whole notion. That's cultural appropriation. But Mm. I don't think any white person's inherently going to think like I'm, super into all this culture i'm appropriating because i just love to appropriate culture i think it's more so attached to the cultural zeitgeisty sort of thing of the moment to where mm. you know it's you know it's in vogue right now it's something it's a uh, it's in style it's, it's in style trend. you know like people like to feel like they're cool when they're speaking it's mm. you know nobody wants to feel like they're a goofball especially if like you're on the internet and you feel you have some image to portray mm-hmm. then you're definitely gonna want to lean into the more i guess you know 
more so just African-American lingo, which is where... Right, and it's hard sometimes to differentiate because sometimes, you know, I'm just like, let the kid live, let them be whatever, because, again, it's a fine line because on one side, someone might just be trying to be cool, Mm -hmm. and then on the other side, someone might be appropriating my culture. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to identify because my culture is cool. Mm -hmm. My culture is popular. Yes. And so I want people to be a part of it. I want people to acknowledge the coolness, contribute to the coolness, spread mm-hmm. the coolness. Yeah. But I don't want you to take advantage of the coolness. Mm-mm. Profit off the backs of the coolness. No. I don't want you to do any of that. Mm-hmm. And so it's just keeping that fourth eye open, if you will, if you oh, have yeah. your third eye open already. <laughs> oh, yeah. And staying woke to the little nuances in, in, in the racism within hip hop and where we maneuver. But let's take a quick break. And then we'll come back and discuss some more topics, okay? Sounds like a plan. You're now listening to Hood Fame by Lona. Hey, hey, hey. on the beat. Got a little hood fame, got a good name. No, they ain't about nothing, but they talk a good game. Think they know me, dog? They just know the name. I just let them have it, they gon' find out I ain't playing. I'm just trying to shift through all the energy. Friend of me is acting like they friends of me. She just won an interview, thought she was enemy. Came in green, but I'm leaving jaded. Ain't even made it, but you gotta know it's niggas hating. But the show ain't stopped yet. Pop just asked me if I pop yet. Yeah, my dog just wanna brag to the block, yeah. Used to talk down on the kiss, still ain't forgot yet. Got a little hood fame, got a good name. No, they ain't about nothing, but they talk a good game. Think they know me, dog? They just know the name. I just let them have it. They gon' find out. All I right, so back from the break, and we're still keeping it real because that's the title of this episode. And so let's dive into the realness or the reality of being a rapper or an artist or a creative, just in general. Um, so let's talk about the possible responsibility within being a rapper. Mm-hmm. So do you think? There is a responsibility that rappers have when it comes to the raps that they have, the messages that they're producing, and the images that they're portraying. I absolutely do. Um, but absolutely. I also, it, yeah, I feel strongly about it, but it's kind of from like a like two way streetish kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely do think that people need to be conscious and cognizant of like what they preach and what they speak whenever. They're on stage or when they're recording. But at the same time, you know, you don't want to come off as like preachy and like you need to learn what I'm telling you because Mm -hmm. I know what I'm talking about. Like, Mm -hmm. no, nobody likes feeling like they're being lectured at. Right. Exactly. You know, it's like there's a lot of rappers, you know, that kind of lean to the social conscious angle. And that's great. You know, like it is refreshing to hear that between a lot of the more hypey material that is popping these days. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it's. It's something I've tried to be a little bit more mindful of myself, you know, like you want to be socially conscious and you want to spread um, just enlightenment, I guess, you know, just like general universal knowledge that everybody can use. But nobody goes to a rap show to feel like they're at class. They want to go to a rap show to have fun. They want to go to a rap show to possibly think or just, you know, feel some sort of stimulation. So you feel like there is a balance. It's okay to not always feel pressured to have that responsibility to deliver maybe the best message right now. Yeah, I think if I gave a mixtape that was nothing but here's all these heavy, like, minded 
thoughts I've been having. Like, mm-hmm. it probably won't get played that much because mm-hmm. it probably won't be very musical. And mm-hmm. I think that was something that, as of late, I've come to be more mindful of, as I said before. Like, it's you want to include messages, but it's kind of like sweets. You know, it's like whenever you try to get a kid to eat, like, vegetables or, you know, like, something that they're not a fan of, you put a little, like, you know, like, a little slice of pizza or, like, some, like, candy in the middle just to kind of, like, incentivize them a little bit more and it's just like oh i didn't see that in there damn that's cool mm-hmm. like i have a i wrote a song recently like uh you know the dog spuds mckenzie mm-hmm. okay quick side note spuds mckenzie was actually a female funny enough i had no idea oh wow and it, and they portrayed him in all those bud light commercials as a suave like you know uh-huh. casanova dog and all the ladies were like <laughs> oh look at this who's this guy he's so cool lady pimp exactly and that that song is more so fun it's supposed to be like lighthearted. it's like a kind of a summery kind of like bouncy song mm-hmm. but in like the second verse um kind of out of nowhere i drop a reference that makes mention of like you know like young kids in inner cities being killed by cops mm-hmm. with barely any retribution being enacted like mm. by the judicial system or otherwise. And then that kind of dovetails into a critique of uh, just the government and, you know, like the political scene. And this you is all within... dive deep pretty quick. Very quick. Or, I mean, not quick, but, you know, in the mix of things to kind of get people like, hey, this is a great song, but there's here's a... some gems as well. Yeah, there's little nuggets of stuff that kind of portray my opinions on things of that nature. And this all takes place within the span of maybe like four bars. The, mm. Like the four bars after that go back to, let's go back to having fun being lighthearted and yeah. having fun and stuff. But... I think things like that. I think um, you don't want to overload people with social consciousness. It's just it's a healthy diaspora of just different things that are all happening simultaneously. Whenever you do Look music, at that vocabulary that you keep just dropping on me. What was that word? Diaspora. I'm not actually sure if that's correct. That was the first <laughs> okay, word that T. popped. <laughs> That's where the popped into my head immediately. That might be hit or miss, but expeditiously, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know it's. It's like a kaleidoscope or, you know, just you want to paint a very well-rounded picture, mm-hmm. especially like if you're doing music or you're doing something that you're exhibiting your creative spark, you know, something, you you know, it's like for me, like whenever I write, I'm doing it because I feel the energy. I'm like, I need to write something like this is like excess energy that must be burned that if I let sit, it's just going to like simmer and I'll just feel very... Um, as if I didn't accomplish what I should have, you know, it's the whole, you'll spend the rest of the day. Like, man, what if I had spent that two or three hours, you know, browsing Twitter or, you know, YouTube or whatever, and spent Mm -hmm. that writing. Exactly. Um, now, okay. Not to cut you off, but how do you stay focused in balancing a nine to five and then still being an artist? Cause I know. You know, that can be hard, too, in reality when we're keeping it real because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't want to admit it, but they got a day job. Oh, yeah. And I see you at it. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's definitely a grind. It's something that you almost be, you need to be, like, routine about. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, if you're at a job, you have a manager. Mm-hmm. But that's, you only have a manager for the hours you're on the job. Mm-hmm. Once you're off the job, you don't have anybody telling you, you need to be here at this time. You need to do this at this time. Mm-hmm. These all things need to be done by the end of the day. Once you're off the clock, you are your manager. You are the person holding you accountable. And it's super important. You know, like, I think that's part of growing up. Everybody 
comes to that realization at their own pace. You know, like I definitely realized it a lot later in life than a lot of other people do, I imagine. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's just it's important to be mindful of not only just like putting time in to um, nurture your creative influence, like just the energy you've got going on that makes you want to be creative, mm-hmm. but also just like balance life out. You know, I, I know a lot of people that they'll be at the studio all the time. Like I, I just watched this cool Kenny Beats video he posted mm-hmm. on YouTube. It was about the 10,000 hour rule. Mm-hmm. And it was basically saying like, you know, everybody wants to work. Once you're in that mode to where like you're established and you're working, you want to work all the time. You want to put out as much content and you want to be as active as possible. Thanks. But that doesn't leave a lot of like room for just being a normal, well-rounded person. Exactly. And I got some great advice from my mentor in in high school. I recently relinked up with her a couple months ago and I was, you know, explaining my frustration with having to have a nine to five to in order to still be able to do my podcast and do all my creative things on the side. And she told me she was saying how sometimes you just have to realize that your nine to five is fueling your five to nine Mm -hmm. that you need that in order to do this you can't have yin without yang and and it made a lot more sense when it comes to being motivated Mm -hmm. because a lot of people like you were saying will lock themselves up in a studio all day every day i'm Mm -hmm. gonna give an example might be loosely might get some backlash on this but little wayne Mm -hmm. little wayne is a rapping machine yes goes in and wraps his ass off he's done it for many years i've been alive Yes. Now, people say that his peak was back in 08, 09. Mm -hmm. And since then, he's kind of just been tailing off or just repeating himself, if you will. Now, imagine if Lil Wayne had a nine to five. Would his creativity be stretched out longer when it comes to having a successful career? Now, some people may give me flack and still say, Lil Wayne is fire till his day. And I somewhat agree. Mm -hmm. I heard his new verse on T-Pain's Goat Talk, and it's a really good verse. Um, He said, if these rappers are my song... Are my sons as a parent I have failed and I think that's that's fire right that's pretty fire <laughs> right but it also took us a long time to get that one bar that's fire yeah so what's your what's your take on that I think it's um you know just to be completely transparent I was doing the nine to five thing and trying to do music as well mm-hmm. before I was a summarily dismissed from my position oh uh, dismissed i like that word yeah you know it's, it sounds better than just being outright fired but you know whatever, <laughs> it happens call it whatever you want but keeping it real keeping it real um but i think it's very easy to get caught up in the concept of like you need to have a nine to five you need to have you need to be at an office you need to be mm-hmm. at a corporation you need to work for a job that provides health insurance da 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 and i learned very quickly like once you are castigated from that company like you have to figure these things out for yourself like Mm -hmm. right now i'm doing just side hustles and stuff i'm doing the instacart i'm looking into uber Mm -hmm. i'm looking into any option available you know if people need like labor done that's just kind of like more independent contracting type Mm -hmm. i'm game but i like that because as someone that did the nine to five it wears you out it's hard Mm -hmm. it's it it, depending on what job you work like there's like you know some jobs labor intensive you're working your back all day who wants to come home and sit at a desk and write for five hours after being in the sun potentially you know swinging tools picking up boxes you know i worked at a warehouse uh, before my prior job and i felt that way all the time you know i'd want to come home and work but i'm just 
spent, you know, like. Exactly. Now, if you're out there listening and you need some type of motivation or inspiration to keep going and you do have a nine to five, just know that when you do clock out that, you know, that is your time Mm -hmm. and you do need to take it seriously and invest in that time because who's going to put you first besides you? Yes. And so definitely, you know, utilize that time that you have. Cause like you're saying, I know someone can be burnt out once they clock out and don't feel like working on their craft, but it will all be worth it. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Now to keep the conversation going before we leave, I wanted to kind of touch on, um, ageism and hip hop a bit. Now, as as we get older in the hip hop game, I mean, we're not that old, but as we I mean, get I hope, older, I hope not. I mean, <laughs> you see how like some other rappers have lived through this time. I mean, I'm I'm late twenties, and so that's when Jay Z dropped his first album, mm-hmm. and so you're kind of understanding how other older rappers have lived, or you know the experiences that they have talked about already. Well, yeah. Now I wanted to kind of get your your insight of growing up in hip-hop and then also do you think there's an age cap in hip-hop do you think you should stop rapping at a certain age it's a great question um i'm personally of the belief that you should rap for as long as one you feel the urge to and two uh for as long as you can provide content or just you know any sort of material that you are proud of if you get to a point where the lights are on but no one's home creatively and you're just trying to work at it and it's just not working for you and you feel it's just not in the cards for you personally anymore mm-hmm. that's fine but you know i definitely believe in the notion of perseverance with all that because mm-hmm. um, you know i've been doing it for almost 10 years now i wouldn't say i've become, i don't have what i call 10 years of content to exhibit but i've been actively working you know whether on or off trying to make this work and I'm definitely cognizant of that these days because, you know, I'm 26 years old. I, I'm i still of the age to where if I say I feel old, people still roll their eyes mm-hmm, and just say, right. you got so much age to go. But, <laughs> you know, it is a, it's, it's like anything else in entertainment. You know, it's hard to um, be mad at a promoter if they want to go with a very hyper, you know, like very energized 18, 19 year old that brings all of their friends and all the people that they either go to school with or know around town and they are really like excitable and stuff like that. Mm. I can't be, I can't fault a promoter for one to go with that person over me. Somebody who is, is that ageism though? Is that wrong to do? No, I don't think it's wrong. I think it's just, you know, it's, it's capitalism. <laughs> it's a, That's just playing the game. It it, seems it's like. the game and a half, you know, it's, it's always going to be a fresh space. New set of young bones ready to do whatever young bones you were ready doing. to hang out, possibly turn twenty one, become customers of the bar, mm-hmm. become people that are among the scene. And I don't think it's ageism, you know, it, in that regard at least. You know, if you're looking at it just from a purely bottom line perspective, like you'll probably get more money in the long run going with someone who's young, has a fresh gaggle of people that are not already locked up in the nine to five grind, mm-hmm. as opposed to someone like myself. Do I take offense to that or do I harbor resentment? Not at all. I think that's just, you. that's the game. It's you have game. to be understanding of things of this nature. But I think, no, I think, I don't think there's an age cap by any means. I think it's just different for everybody. You know, it's like, I have buddies that like, they do dance, like they do dancing, they do like male stripping. Mm-hmm. And I've asked them about it as well because, you know, it's, 
Is that another side hustle of yours? Or is that what you're admitting? <laughs> it's definitely been offered. I uh, don't know if I can add that to my resume quite yet. I mean, I can get uh, some ones out. Where, where's my purse? We'll see how desperate I get in the uh, upcoming months and all that. But, you know, there's people that do that and they're 60. Mm-hmm. And they just, they look great. They look healthy. They look like they're having fun. Women love them. You know, like. So it's kind of fit for that person individually on if you're going to keep going the older you get. Now, some people would say that there is an age cap, mm-hmm. how rap is always kind of going to be something that's for the young or for the youth, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, I don't necessarily agree. Rap is for everyone of all ages. And so I think an older person can still speak to old, you know, older crowds. But like you said, it might be a little harder to do to book that venue to oh, speak yeah. to that older crowd. Because mm-hmm. one, is that older crowd even getting out the house to come see you? Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that would be me. But, um... You know, when we start thinking of rappers, um, Too Short, he is still actively rapping. He is 52 years old. I've seen Too Short live recently. He's awesome. Like, you can tell he's he's having a hoot. He's up there having the time of his life just doing the old Too Short thing. And people love it still. Like, if he's still doing that and he's got the energy to do it when he's 62, 72, why not? That's not far from his age now, so who knows? I mean, E-40, 51. Yeah, you know, like, think about it. How old is Lil Wayne now? He's 40-something at least. I mean, he's getting up there, definitely. I don't think he's in his 40s, but, I mean, he might be. I don't know, because Diddy is 49. Fat Joe's 48. Um, Diddy, uh, oh, yeah, I said 49. Okay, Snoop Dogg. I think he's like 48, 47. And let me see. There's Jay-Z, 49. And so exactly. everyone's pushing 50. Oh, yeah. And who would have thought you would actively, willingly be wanting to listen to a 50-year-old talk to you yeah. in album-length time? Yeah, it's... uh. <laughs> It's something that I've thought about just as I've grown older. It's like, I don't like to think of it as like a young person's game solely, but you know, it's, I think it's the responsibility of older people to just kind of like do their part to just provide wisdom to younger people, you know, like not necessarily in the sense of like, you need to do this to be something or to be successful. I think it's more so just like, you know, like for my nephew, for instance, I never try to tell him like, Hey, you should do this. I tell him, Hey, I've done this and it blew up in my face. Mm-hmm. So as someone that has been there, taking that stumble, here's what I would recommend probably not doing. People learn from the consequences of mistakes. And so if oh, you let yeah. them know what the consequences up front, then they'll kind of re- reconsider that thought process versus just lecturing them into not doing so. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's the same with being an older rapper. You know, like once again, you don't have to lean into the whole, like, I'm a preach to the youth thing. Like if you want to, and that's your bag, go for it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it should be like, as I said earlier, just a healthy balance. Like you should have some tracks where you're trying to, you know, drop jewels, spread enlightenment, and then just other tracks where you're just doing you having fun, and mm-hmm. you're just up there just making music. It's- right, exactly. See, before, I wasn't really into the whole older rapper thing, but now that I'm getting older, I'm appreciating it. Oh. And then plus, <laughs> our older rappers not are always acting like older people. Nope. I mean, of course, we'll see like a T.I., his evolution of just being a mature rapper now, or like a, a David Banner. Yeah. But we also have our Snoop Dogg, who mm-hmm. is willing to get out there and be crazy with the kids still. Yeah. <laughs> and I think- so I appreciate that balance that we have in our older rappers in this generation. 
Um, but before we, um, before we wrap things up, I did mention to the audience that you are a white rapper. And so I wanted to give you a moment to share, um, what you may be working on, have worked on, where to find your music. Um, we all learned your rap name is Darks, D-A-R-X-X, but tell us more. Okay. Um, you know, it's, if you want to find me on the internet for starters, I keep it simple, D-A-R-X-X-830. 830 is the area code of Seguin, Texas, where Ooh. I was born and raised about 40 miles south of Austin. Shouts out, Seguin. Okay, Seguin, Texas in the house. Yep. And um, <laughs> yeah, I have two projects out right now that are, uh, the first one's called Irrelevant. I think I dropped that when I was like 22. And then the next one is called uh, Hope My Nephew Digs This Volume 1, working mm-hmm. on Volume 2 right now. Both are on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, Tidal, SoundCloud, wherever you get your music and all that. And as far as current projects, I'm actually very excited about what I've been working on as of late. Because the one silver lining about being dismissed from a corporate gig, (laughs) it puts a freaking charge in your battery pack to where you want to like... Oh, I'm at the point where I gotta I'll make show moves. Them. Like, yeah, you know, it's it's part like you because you know it's easy showing to, the man, showing yeah. your showing your mirror. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> your reflection. It's, it's easy to lose confidence in yourself when you go through things like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to like take stock of what you like draw confidence from and what makes you feel actualized as a person. And for me, in this time period, it's hustling, making moves, writing, and I have. I don't want to get too gung-ho with the track list because I'm still trying to kind of figure out if I want to do a whole project or a few little projects for a big one. But I have about 20 tracks in the tank right now that I'm just stoked. Like, I'm stoked over. Like, I listen to Look them. At and, you. you. know, it's that, that was one thing that took a while for me. There was a time where I was not excited about what I wrote because mm. it felt like I was learning still. Like, I remember going to your pad when I was back in college. I was like, Tammy, I don't feel confident about what I'm writing. What should I do now? Like, those were the days. Those were the days, right? <laughs> and it's just, you know, I'm, I'm at a point now, like, I spend so much time working at this. I spend so much time writing to where, like, I'm not only excited, but I'm proud of what I've created. And mm. I think it's, you know, it's it's a great feeling to spend a lot of time laboring over something and to finally see it come to fruition, you know, Mm -hmm. like see people come up to you and just say, Hey, I love, this is awesome. Like, are you putting out more stuff? And it's just, you know, it's a warm feeling. You're just like, man, like, like I, I I feel weird saying I have fans. I like to say I have friends because anytime (laughs) someone's comes like, Oh, I love your music. I'm like, Oh, cool. Nice to meet you. What's up, man? What's your name? And then they become your friend. (laughs) Yeah. I think I, don't do that with everybody, Doris. Uh, <laughs> There's some crazy people out there. I will say, as a small town dude, uh, being generally happy-go-lucky and good-natured has gotten me in hot water every now and again. I mean, there's, the, again, with the fine lines, because I'm starting to transition not to sound like I'm becoming this great superstar, but as I get more fans, mm-hmm. you know, you got to be careful with some people because, you know, there, there's some dedicated fans, there's some really passionate fans, there's some aggressive fans, there's and so all that, and then be careful out there there's just be people. safe you got to it's very important <laughs> but thank you again for joining me for this episode and sipping some energy tea with me hopefully you enjoyed it i can give you a refill if you'd like of course to my, my sippers <laughs> of course <laughs> <laughs> round two um but of course for my sippers you can find me on all social uh, networking sites stream episodes on all major platforms and until next time sip some tea <laughs>